Hi there, you're listening to the Guitar Speak podcast. My name's Matt Wakeling and thank you so much for joining me. Now today we've got a double guest episode. We speak to Cameron James Henderson and Jay Perino, both young Sydney-based guitar players doing some really, really great stuff in quite different fields. Now before we get to those interviews, um, I need to let you know that today's episode is brought to you by the Michael Dolce Masterclass Tour 2016. Michael's doing a bunch of dates in October and November, and uh, here's a quick word from Michael himself. Hi guys, this is Michael Dolce inviting you to my 2016 Funk Fusion Masterclass Tour. To give you a brief rundown of what the night consists of, we get 10 players in a room in a really relaxed atmosphere, nothing too intimidating. We cover soloing over the one chord vamp. I will be sharing all my concepts that have worked for me over the years and I still use to this very day. The idea is to show you guys these ideas and apply them to your own voice. If you feel that you know how to play a pentatonic scale and a major scale, that's all you really need. Um, If you're interested in attending the class, you can book through my website at www.michaeldolchimusic.com. So I look forward to chatting with you all and hopefully catch you at my next masterclass. Cheers for now, guys. All right. Michael's dates coming up soon. He is in Sydney, 4th of October, Brisbane, 5th of October. They're this week. Get onto that quickly if you want to catch those classes. Uh, Also, dates in Canberra, Dubbo, Geelong, Adelaide, Newcastle, Wollongong, Orange, Lithgow and Perth. So if you're in any of those centres, keep checking out uh, Michael Dolce Music on Facebook or, uh, as Michael said, drop him an email. Regular listeners will know that um, I got to one of Michael's Sydney workshops uh, a few weeks ago and it was absolutely fantastic. So very highly recommended classes. Now there's a giveaway uh, put together by Michael and some of the companies that endorse him. There's some great prizes. So check out the Guitar Speak podcast Facebook page or Michael Dolce Music Facebook page. For all the details, and it's for Australian residents only. Sorry, international friends. Now, talking about international friends, I want to give a shout out to Mick, Marcelino, and Jeff Boba from the Amps and Axes podcast. My good friends from Baltimore in the USA, they've just started a sort of like a bonus edition of their weekly show. Their weekly show is fantastic. It's such a good guitar podcast, and they've just started a weekly uh spot like a second show called this day in music and they talk about stuff that happened this day in music so if you haven't already subscribed to amps and axes get onto it Alrighty, now on to our guests here on the guitar speak podcast my first guest is a young man by the name of cameron james henderson great guitarist based here in sydney has a really varied background that we'll we'll find out about uh, but his real passion is blues, folk, roots kind of stuff. And we caught up with Cameron and talked about his new album, Storm Rolling In. Cameron James Henderson, welcome to the Guitar Speak podcast. Thanks, man. Good to be here. Now, you were brought up in a musical family. When when did you start playing guitar? Um, I learned piano in, uh, from a real young age. And mum got us on, onto piano pretty young. and but I didn't, So I didn't pick up the guitar till about... Uh, yeah, eight, I think, in high school. Okay, yeah. So, uh, and then just got into it from there, wanting to play all the songs. Yeah, nice. <laughs> and what was, um, yeah, what was the influence then? What were the songs you were 
you were pumped oh, about. What was it? It was I think it was you know the Chili Peppers, uh, pretty <laughs> sta- pretty standard entry point. Yeah. Uh, what else? Oh, my dad always listened to heaps of you know Hendrix and and uh, Steve Ray Vaughan and stuff. So I was kind of kind of into a bit of that too. And and uh, and my mate, yeah, my mate was playing guitar and he was playing all the riffs. You know, so I really wanted to play the riffs. <laughs> That's cool. So, what was your first guitar when you started deciding to um to to rock out? To take it seriously, well, I had my I bought guitar off my mate for like fifty bucks, which was just some cheap uh, Yamaha. Uh-huh. I thought I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah, but acoustic, then, uh, acoustic or electric? Uh, no, electric. Yeah, I went straight to electric. I didn't want to muck around with <laughs> any awesome. acoustic stuff, you know. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but um. And then, uh, and then I think I went and bought a yeah. I saved up and went and bought a, a Epiphone SG for my birthday. So that was pretty sick. Cool, yeah. cool. Was that like an ACDC thing? Or, uh... Yeah, I think so. And I was also in the Silverchair, and you know, um, yeah. Daniel Jones was playing an SG at the time, so that was cool. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. Very cool. Did you end up doing um, garage bands or stuff like that? Yeah. So I actually had a had a few bands through school um and then i had a band with my brothers so we used to do a bunch of gigs around the place okay Um, yeah so that was fun nice um yeah my youngest brother still plays he's a pro muso but my middle brother doesn't he's like an engineer now or something okay (laughs) okay cool yeah um were you doing any formal training or were you just teaching yourself um so yeah at first i taught myself um but then uh but then i got lessons and then, um, yeah, you know, did it through school, um, got lessons while I was at school from a bunch of great teachers, actually, mm-hmm. and some awesome teachers. Yeah, cool. Um, yeah, a couple of guys out west um, who, who, are, who are very influential, a guy called Chris Komorowski and, oh, okay, um, yep. yeah, and a guy called Jason Hill. So they're awesome dudes. Oh, man, I know both those guys. I, know, yeah, I thought um, you might. I don't know. I just got a vibe you would. Yeah, Jason, I met him. Um, we are both... Um, tutoring at the same high school. So, oh, sweet. Man, I would hear him down the hallway, like just between students, just he was yep. either doing full-on classical repertoire yep. or he was just smashing smashing out, you know, Satriani riffs and things. Yeah, that's Man, Jason. he is unreal. Yeah, so both those guys, yeah, they were kind of great teachers to me because I was actually having lessons from both of them at the time oh, when cool. I was in late high school and I was learning classical off Jace. Yeah, and right. Guys off Chris. So. Yeah. I was Great. pretty lucky. I was pretty lucky to have those guys. Wow, that's really really cool. Out, and they both lived out my way, you know. Um, cause I lived, I grew up in the Hawkesbury, so they were both out that way. So. Okay, cool. Chris is in Penrith, yeah. Yeah, right. Excellent. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, man, so it's cool. So you're doing classical and you're doing like jazz stuff. Yeah. Great. Yeah, and then I studied. Um, I studied classical guitar at the con. Um, after school. So. Wow. Yeah. Man, that's that's pretty full on to get into the con as a guitar player. How um, how was that yeah. process? Yeah, like it was a good learning curve because I kind of got into classical guitar late, as I kind of said before. I just I just wanted to play electric and play in bands when I was younger, but but then I kind of got into classical at the end of high school and um, started learning off Jace, and then I uh, took a year off to kind of practice um, hard, and then and then got into the con, which was cool. Wow, fantastic! And what did you get out of doing the um the course at the con? Oh, heaps! Like it was amazing, actually. Like um, studying under 
Greg Pickler was pretty good. You know, he's like been an institution for classical guitar in Australia for like the last 50 years. <laughs> so wow. he's, I think he taught at the con for 40 years. Oh, goodness. Wow. So like he was just awesome. And like, he, yeah, he really taught me to, to, to care about detail in guitar playing. Mm-hmm. So what, what do you mean by that? So like, to, to, like each piece of music, instead of, because I'm a very kind of, I think about the big picture thing. And he was all about uh, like caring about one note, you know, and how does that note fit in within a phrase and then how does that phrase fit in within the piece. And uh, so he really kind of slowed me down and, and made me, yeah, think about the importance of each single notes within music, which was super cool. Yeah, definitely. That's great. Yeah. So it could have been like vibrato or something. You'd be like, well, have you thought about that note and like, how much vibrato you're trying to put on that note and why, like, and you'd ask me heaps of questions like that. So just, just musically, it was really cool to get that kind of more classical perspective um, on, on music, but it's pretty applicable to all sorts of music when you're thinking through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's cool. And um, so at the same time as doing the classical course, are you still rocking out? Are you still playing yeah, electric was, and stuff? Yeah, playing in a bunch of bands. I was at uni and doing some jazz gigs and whatever else kind of gigs. Um. Yeah. Yep. So that was fun. Yeah. Cool. So, um, like over the last couple of years, you've you've established yourself as a solo artist. Mm. Um, uh, you released a an EP in I think a couple of years ago, Distorted Distorted Hope Blues, and yep. Um, and we're going to talk about your your full full length album in a moment, Storm Rolling mm. In. Um, when did you get into the blues? Well, I've kind of all I've kind of grown up on the blues. Because um, of my dad, you know his record collection, and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. He was always listening to John Lee Hooker and Steve Ray Vaughan and and uh, Muddy Waters. So and uh, and so I suppose like blues is well, I you know I went away and studied a, a bunch of other kind of styles, but but blues has always felt like the most comfortable to mm-hmm. me. So, so like um, and so when it came to kind of writing my own songs, the genre that I immediately kind of fell back in was was blues just because it it felt natural and I suppose that's because I'm just so kind of used to it listening to it from a young age you know okay yeah yeah yeah. so yeah and then coming out of I had a band as well called the Dubious Blues Trio which was kind of a a psychedelic uh, blues trio where we kind of mixed in lots of other elements and uh, so that was kind of when I first came out of uni was doing that but now I've kind of kind of calm down and focus on the songwriting thing yeah right, yeah, right. Cool. I think I heard I some think of the dubious blues stuff it was great it had um was Tully playing drums for you yeah Tully Ryan he's, he's awesome so. yeah cool and um yeah who's bass the bass player in that uh, band Nelson Price he's a okay great bass player yeah cool that's cool so when you started writing your own stuff um mm. like for me storm rolling in I'm hearing more of um maybe some country blues influences and some um yeah uh, some folk influences either, and also some very rock and um, almost garagey blues kind of stuff. Oh, cool! As well. What? Um, so, Storm Rolling In. So that's just been released in July of this year. Yeah. Cool. Um, tell me about that. Where did you record it? So I recorded it um, with my good friend uh, Chris Gillespie. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a great singer-songwriter, and he's uh, been a massive influence on on me. Like I, I've been playing with him playing his stuff uh, for a while and uh, and he uh, 
yeah, so he produced the record, yeah. and um, he's a great guitar player as well. And he played he played a bunch on the record too, which is really oh, cool. Cool, nice. Um, so yeah, so he lives up in the Blue Mountains in a an undisclosed location, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but he's got a, a great studio up there. So so I did it up there with him. Oh, great! And um, yeah. who was in your band? Who was the rhythm section? Uh, so the rhythm the rhythm section was uh, Finn Ryan. He's a great drummer of Sydney, and um, and Nick Henderson, my brother. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah, and then Chris as well, playing various things. Yeah, right. Awesome. And um, so you recorded up in the mountains. Did you have your songs pretty much together before you got to the studio? Um, yes and no. So I think I had a, a few songs. I maybe had about um, three or four songs. Uh, to start with, but actually, we, we I kind of we we chipped away at it for about six six months. Okay. Um. So I just kind of go up there. I think we did. We yeah, we did the band tracks in a day, yeah. um, like laying down the the beds, and so all those songs were together. But then a number of the others, which are more the acousticy type tracks, um, a lot of them I kind of wrote during the process of the whole album. Okay. Um, yeah. Which was a really cool experience to do that. Yeah, I imagine be inspiring that process as well. Yeah, it's really awesome, and uh, and because Chris is Chris, oh yeah, with this album, I, I really tried to focus on songcraft um, and trying to learn how to write good songs. Mm-hmm. So you know, I was listening to a lot of Dylan and a lot of um, who else, um, Knopfler and and that kind of stuff, like just guys that are write amazing songs. Yeah, um, trying to, to figure that out, and Chris was. He's like he was a really great mentor with that too, like in terms of lyrics and and crafting lyrics and and making uh, musical decisions. Um, so so kind of like I'd often bring songs that were quite fresh, like I might have written them the day before or something, uh, and 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 so Chris would be a big part of kind of putting them together, which was cool. Yeah, right. Yeah. Nice. Hey, I really like how. Um... Like it's a real mix of yeah yeah acoustic stuff and, and electric stuff and the production's very understated in a you know in a good way as um yeah it's a very yeah. very vibey band vibey kind of a thanks man kind of a sound um yeah. I mean there's, there's there's the occasional double tracked vocals I noticed and and, yep. and some layered guitars but um yeah it feels really it feels really great um I'm even noticing some room sounds more maybe the acoustic stuff you hear the odd yeah. the odd squeak or someone yep, moving around playing a guitar yeah and that's really um it's really chris's approach which is i really dig which is um just kind of being organic and honest yep. about recording uh some of my favorite records you know have you know all sorts of noises and blemishes yeah on them. awesome and i think that adds to the the atmosphere and so yeah and chris is really about only putting stuff in on the on the tracks if it's like absolutely necessary and and contributes to the song. Otherwise, there's no need for it, you know. So, mm-hmm. so I like that approach. Yeah, cool. So, um, so some of the acoustic tunes, the tunes like "Shelter" and "Across the Water," um, and even an electric song like "Lifeboat," you're you're doing some really interesting fingerstyle stuff. Yeah. How did you develop that? It's does that stem from your classical background, or is it a different sort of approach yeah. altogether? Well, I think uh, I think the classical was really important in developing kind of right-hand chops, mm-hmm. you know, like your finger-picking chops and, and that facility and whatnot. But, um, yeah, I think lately in the last couple of years I've, I've applied that to, to kind of, you know, folky, folky finger-picking and, and bluesy finger-picking. 
mm-hmm. um, getting that you know the constant baseline of like the one five thing going with your thumb. Yeah. Um, while you're doing kind of other stuff, um, playing like a little melody or, or picking out some chords. So I've kind of worked on that a bit over the last uh, last year or so. And uh, and yeah, I was influenced by a, a few guys. I think Lifeboat in, in particular, I was influenced by a guy called Blake Mills, mm-hmm. um, who's an amazing guitar player in America. Um, and uh, yeah, he kind of does that stuff where, you know, you kind of, a lot of finger style thing, but on electric, which is cool. So, yeah, yeah, cool. So yeah, Lifeboat, you're doing the finger style thing, but yeah, you're on electric. That's got yeah. that really cool sort of bass riff and you're, you're comping out the chords yeah. with your other fingers. Yeah, that's right. Well, I know I can't stop your teeth. Like a fool I see here as they flow. The only word pretty it's a pretty Blake Mills inspired yeah. thing actually. So I hope he, uh, if he ever hears this, I hope he's not offended. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I think he dig it. I think he dig it. <laughs> Man. Now that's cool and you're singing over the top of that. That's um that's gotta be tricky live. Yeah, I do find I don't find that song easy. Yeah. <laughs> to be honest, man. Yeah. Well, it sounds effortless. I'm just, I just reckon, yeah. To get it together, you've you've put in some, uh, some some time. What um, what guitar are you playing on that track? It's a beautiful tone. Yeah. So most of, uh, so that's my telly. So I play uh, my telly is a um, it's a '58 reissue Fender Telecaster. Uh huh. Um, that's for all the the rhythm parts. But the solo, I actually used my other guitar, which is a um, it's built by. A guy called uh, Timo Tolvanen, so yeah, Tolvanen cool. guitars in the uh-huh. hills, um, and it's kind of custom guitar I got him to build for me. Um, and so it's like a, it's shaped like a telly, but it's got these um, TV Jones um, Magnetron pickups, I think. Okay. Yeah, Magnetron yep. pickups in them, uh, which is really cool. It's just like a bit of a beefier kind of um, single coil tone. Oh, okay, so they're like still singles. Yeah. Oh, actually, no. I think they actually might be double coils, but they, but for some reason, they still have like the, the kind of spank of of a single coil. I, I don't know what. I don't quite understand it, but, <laughs> but it sounds good. It's a great guitar. So, yeah, nice. Yeah, I use that for the solo. Yeah, Timo, uh, Tolvanen. Yeah. Yeah, great. Yeah, that's a cool looking guitar. I've seen pictures. Um, I'll have to. I'll post some pictures up on your oh, Facebook sweet. or Instagram yeah. as well when the interview comes up. But um, yeah, that's mad. And it's got some, um, what's the tremolo on that? That's really interesting. That's a Stets bar. Oh, okay. Yep. Cool. It's a pretty crazy bit of machinery. <laughs> <laughs> what? <coughs> Pardon me. Uh, what's the go with the Stets bar? It's, it's not um, like a Bigsby. It's like... Yeah, it's crazy, man. I don't, fully, I don't fully understand it. It's got some springs and stuff on it, but it's basically it's it's definitely the smoothest the smoothest tremolo I've ever experienced. Uh-huh. It's so smooth, and you can be so subtle with it, which is why I really liked it. Yeah, um, when I cool. Was, when I was trying a few of Timo's guitars, I really liked it. Like it, you can be so subtle with it, and just add the, and it adds this like really nice sparkle to the note when you use it. It's, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really cool. I don't know. I think they're made overseas somewhere. I don't know, but, uh-huh. but they're pretty cool. Yeah, cool. I've heard the name and I've, I think I've seen them a few times. But yeah, they look super cool. Yeah. Um, so they, they totally match that vibe on, on, on that guitar. Yeah. Um, how about the slide the slide part on that track? What what are you doing there? 
Oh, yeah, that was a um, a Gretsch. That was not. That's one of Chris's guitars. He had uh-huh. this like really awesome Gretsch. Um, Gretsch Chet Atkins model, I think. Okay, cool. But I just had that through my. Um, I've got a big old Super Reverb. Yep. Yeah, nice. The big Fender Super Reverb, and we just absolutely cranked it. <laughs> so that's why it's got that kind of feedback thing going on because he got the hollow body guitar. Just yeah. Kind of <laughs> oh, that's great. Are you using any pedals, or it's just the amp cranks? I uh, don't. I can't remember. I don't think I used the pedal. I think we might have just absolutely cranked the Super Reverb, which was pretty pretty loud. <laughs> <laughs> That's fun in the studio though, hey, because you, you probably can't crank one of those things on a gig. That's right, yeah. Like I um, yeah, that's right. I can't crank it. There's a couple of, like one band I play in the Mogadishu Family Band. Like I can crank it pretty loud, but all other bands I have to keep it pretty controlled, you know. Uh-huh. But the but the Super Reverb actually isn't crazy. It's only 45 watts, so it's not unbelievable. Yeah, right. It's not like a, it's not like a twin or something, you know. Yeah, sure. Um, and that's and with the is that the 410. Yeah, it's a 410. It's actually yeah. like an early 70s one I found in Bendigo. Wow. Cool. <laughs> for a crazy cheap price. Anyway. <laughs> nice. For your um for the slide part, um are you doing are you using any sort of open tuning or is that standard? Yeah, it is. Definitely open tuning. I think it might have been open D. Yeah, I think it's open D. Okay, cool. Yeah. Do you do much with um with tuning, say on the acoustic stuff? Um more and more, yeah. Yeah, so Kind of this record's been the first time I've really started started experimenting with different okay. tunings. So I used Open G for a bunch of tunes. Like okay. I used yeah. Open G on Across the Water and um, and uh, what else? Oh yeah, I used Open D. Oh wait, no, no. I used yeah. I also used Open G for Wisest Man, and uh, and then I used yeah the baritone guitar, which is in a low low tuning. Yeah, cool. So the baritone's on, um, is it I Stand Amazed and then the, the tune floats? Yeah, and then, yeah, floating, that's it. Yeah, those two, yeah. Cool. So what's the tuning for that? Uh, so I use so standard B. Okay, uh, yeah, so, so just B to B. Yeah, yeah, but then it's just standard guitar tuning, which is kind of cool because cause you can just kind of play everything, um, your normal, all the normal shapes and stuff. And everything just sounds really cool. Yeah, nice. <laughs> like an E chord, man. It just sounds awesome. Yeah, absolutely, man. It's beautiful on that on that track. Oh, thanks, man. Sorry, did you mention the, the type of baritone? No, so it's by it's by this company in America. It's by this company called um, Eastwood Guitars. Oh yeah, yeah. They do. They kind of reissue lots of those kind of whacked out shape guitars. Yeah. Hey? yeah, I really like them as a company. Like they're really cool. They just they just create the really unusual weird guitars that came out in the 60s and 70s. You know. Uh huh. Um, 
And so this one's a side jack. It's called a side jack baritone, but it's based on like the shapes like a, a Mosrite. Those oh, okay. Cards. Yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah. So yeah, I find that guitar really inspiring for songwriting because it's it's so low, mm-hmm. and uh, and it makes me play more simple because it kind of freshens up everything on the guitar. You know, I think I think that's a cool thing with with guitar playing. Like different tunings and different guitars can really inspire um, inspire you to play in a way you wouldn't normally play, which which is really cool. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. You um you mentioned Wise's Man in in the G tuning. Is that a Dobro you've got on that track? Yeah, so that's one of Chris's beautiful guitars. It's a um a Beaton resonator. So so Beaton's a um he's an Australian guy, I think. Oh, okay. Cool. And I think it's I think it's a style O. Um, oh, oh, I'm getting that confused. It might be a Jewelian. Anyway, <laughs> can't remember. But it's like a beautiful resonator in this kind of dark color and yeah and so that was that's an amazing amazing guitar yeah cool yeah it sounds great on that track it sounds awesome yeah thanks man nice um what else don't go drifting i like that i think now at the front of the song i think i'm hearing an acoustic and electric in unison is that right yeah so i think i've got the beaten resonator on that too okay and then, cool. uh, and then the telly the telly's there and i think there's a and there's a 335 there as well okay cool so, you know, you just got to get all of it, as many different types of guitars on there as possible. <laughs> <laughs> for sure, for sure. <laughs> So, yeah, on the Don't Go Drifting solo, it's um, it's a sweeter kind of a tone. Yeah, that's a 335. Okay, okay. So I was going for that kind of Clapton, Larry Carlton kind of tone, you know? Yeah, nice. Yeah. Nice, man. It's good to have a, a producer with a good collection. That's that's oh, great. Yeah. Although Very your collection sounds good too, man. You sound like you got. Yeah, a few... I got a few interesting things, but um, yeah, but Chris has some really classic, classic instruments. So I was very blessed to use them. Yeah, cool, <laughs> man. Awesome. Uh, what about acoustics, like for your steel yeah. string stuff? Yeah, the main the main steel string acoustic on the records, um, a J a Gibson J forty five. Okay, our oh, classic. Which is Chris's, and that's just like yeah, absolutely like. As soon as I played it, I was just like, wow, it's like such an amazing instrument. You can see why a lot of those guys like Dylan and, and those guys just played one back in the day because they're so good for finger picking and they're, they're really balanced, really balanced and really expressive guitar, you know? So, mm-hmm. yeah. And coming from like me, coming from a classical perspective, like um, 
I find steel strings like I haven't played like comparatively I haven't played that much steel string guitar but but I found on on the J45 it's just so kind of resonant and dynamic and expressive that I felt really comfortable on it. Yeah, cool. Yeah, cool. Is that a big jump? Um, yeah, talking back about classical, is it a big jump going from uh, the width, the width of a, the string spacing on a classical, then to try try mm. to do that on electric or a or a steel string? Yeah, you got to make sure you you got to make sure you're pretty used to the guitar, I think. But um, but I haven't played like to be honest, like I, I don't get that much class, don't do that much classical stuff anymore. So yeah, sure. I've, I've probably adjusted more to the the electric and the steel string. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Hey, um, old mate, stomp. That's a cool tune. <laughs> I loved it. What's What's the inspiration there? Because it sounds pretty garagey, and then yeah. then you get to the turnaround, and it's actually quite sophisticated. There, it's a nice, <laughs> it's a nice juxtaposition of um of stuff. How, what's What Thanks. informs that sort of playing in you? I really like. I was listening to a a, bunch, a couple of guys when I wrote that tune. Um, a guy called Jim Campolongo. He's like oh, amazing, yeah, yeah, yeah. amazing guy from the states. It's kind of the tele, the telly guy, and he does all yes. that kind of crazy behind the nut bending and whatnot. You know, uh-huh. so I was kind of checking that out because I thought that was pretty cool. And also a guy I saw in Sydney um, called um, uh, Mark Rabot, who's like played on some Tom Waits records. Oh, and stuff. yeah, he's he's heaps interesting. Hey, he does like rootsy yeah. stuff, and then he just does off the wall kind of stuff as well oh, on the other gigs. It's so out there, man. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, when I saw him in Sydney, like, I think it was last year. Or the year last before. year, yeah. Yeah. Super cool. Like, I love his approach to, to guitar playing. It's, it's not about, like, I love how it's not about, you know, making everything sound clean and nice. It, it, like, it's got that, like, nasty element and um, and making, like, a bit filthy. And, but, but kind of, yeah, I, I like those kind of guitar players that, that, that it's not all clean like sounds it's like really kind of creative dirty sounds uh-huh and, yeah yeah so it's probably those those two guys probably inspired that track i reckon yeah cool oh it's a good it's a good tune now the song um was it no one's no one's here and no one cares yep is that based on a true story yeah yeah so <laughs> playing in a uh playing in my mate's band we did we trekked out to a uh an unnamed country town <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to name it because I never ever get a gig there again. Yeah, okay. but, um, <laughs> but yeah, we rocked all the way out there and, you know, like did all this promo and radio and everyone was kind of stoked. And then we did the gig to like two old ladies and then they left <laughs> and left like because we, cause we were too loud. So. <laughs> That's a bit of a tongue in cheek one. I don't want people to take that too seriously. Yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> oh, it resonated with me, man. I've, I've played plenty of gigs <laughs> with two people. I think a lot of musos can relate to that one. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. And again, another another kind of tone again um, on that. Yeah. So that's that kind of kind of that's probably more the country thing. Uh-huh. Um, trying to trying to be a bit of a country picker, you know. I was probably Jim Campolongo as well. That same guy, like with that telly, that kind of telly thing, you know, <laughs> that picking thing, and and yeah, kind of a bit tongue in cheek with the guitar playing. But it was fun to have a crack at a, a real country solo, you know. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> nice. Hey, you've been doing some gigs. I know you you, uh, you did a, a tour when you launched the album, and um, yeah, and I've seen you on um, on some festivals as well, like the Goldwyn Blues Festival, yeah, and that sort of thing. What, what sort of gigs? What sort of other gigs have you have you done, or have, have you have you got coming up with your band? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so 
Yeah, I've been doing did a little tour. That was really fun. Like played Canberra and Sydney and Bendigo, mm-hmm. which is cool, and Victoria. Um, that's a great town for live music, actually. Bendigo, man, yeah. awesome. Um, and then uh, yeah, Goulburn and and yeah, playing a few. Yeah, so I'm playing down at the the Bendigo Blues and Roots Festival later in the year. Great. First weekend of November. Awesome. Um, where else? Bunch of other. I should have actually prepared and looked at my gigs for, uh, before this interview. But um, <laughs> but yeah, playing at Lazy. Got a few dates at Lazy Bones. Great. Cool place to play. That's a great venue. Yeah. In, uh... Yeah, that's where I did the Sydney my my launch in Sydney, which was cool. Yeah, cool. Um, Over at Marrickville, one of the probably one of the last venues. Um, I think putting music on seven nights a week. Yeah, yeah. I can't think of another one that puts it on every night, but um. That's always cool. Yeah, I got a few more dates in Lazy Bones, and then a few, a bunch of, I do some stuff up in the Blue Mountains with um with Chris Gillespie as a duo. Mm-hmm. So we play kind of a mix of our own songs, and then we just play heaps of old school blues, with like rezos and stuff, which is really fun. Oh, excellent. So um, there's a few dates here. We play at the Hotel Blue in Katoomba a bit, and and then yeah, yeah. Sorry, I should have got specific dates. No, no, that's cool. That's- <laughs> That's awesome. We'll, um, people can look on Facebook or something. Yeah, yeah. We'll get all your stuff at the end of our interview for sure so people can, can chase you out. But yeah, that's awesome. Hey, um, you mentioned the Mogadishu family band earlier. Yeah. That looks crazy. Tell me tell me about that. <laughs> yeah, well, that's a, it's kind of the brainchild of my friend Eric uh, Fortalezo, who's a, a great bass player. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know Eric, don't you? Yeah, I do. Yeah, he's great. Yeah, yeah cool. So um, it's kind of his... His band, he just wanted to put together his dream band, which was like ridiculously big band. <laughs> and so there's, you know, there's two drummers, yeah, two, at least two guitars, um, <laughs> like two keys, heaps of singers, horns, you name it. Yeah, like, great. It's just, uh, and that's a really fun band. We play like a lot of um, uh, Eric's originals and also originals by um, a guy called Michael Duchesne. He's just awesome, soul, soul singer. Oh, yeah, guitar. fantastic. He's great. Yeah, yeah, he's awesome. Yeah, you guys do a residency in um in Kuji, don't you? Yeah. Is that still going on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so that goes as long. Although we didn't do last month because I think uh, Eric was in America and so forth. But, oh, okay, um, yep. I think we're back on on the 11th, but I have to check with Eric. But yeah, yeah normally sure. it's the second Thursday of the month. Cool, cool. Yeah. Now, the other guitarist in the band, often, I guess, in that band is Seb Bartels. Yeah. Cool. He's great. Yeah, Seb, yeah, Seb's amazing, man. Like he's just what a great, such a creative and awesome guitar player. Like you know, you never want to follow Seb in a guitar solo, man. Like, <laughs> the way he just builds it is just, it's just awesome. Yeah, he does. So it's it. great to it's great to play with him and, and we're good friends and stuff. So it's awesome. Yeah, nice. Yeah, I reckon you guys would be a great guitar team in that in that band. Yeah, I think it's cool because we're we're so different, like in our our approach, and mm-hmm. that kind of works well. Um, so yeah, it's a bunch of fun. Cool, man. And we both have super reverb, so that's fun. <laughs> that's mine's, true. That's true. Yeah. Mine's, mine's better because it's older. Okay. <laughs> I, don't, I don't tell him that too often. <laughs> I'll let him know next time. Yeah. <laughs> he knows. He knows. And are you doing um, are you doing any other bands or or things like? Yeah. To me, it seems like you're just working all the time. Oh, well, yeah. Um, yeah. I'm I'm thankful that I play in a few other bands. I play in my mate Sam Newton's band, which mm-hmm. is really great it's like old folk kind yeah. of stuff so that's fun like i get to i get to do the classic telly thing in that band which is i really enjoy that cool uh and also i play in a um an afro funk band 
I've just started playing with an Afro-funk band called Live Birdland. Which wow. Is really cool, which is a completely different kettle of fish to anything else I play, so it's really fun. <laughs> cool. And do you do some teaching, I believe? Yeah. Yeah, so I teach guitar a few days a week. Yeah. Great fun. Yeah. Yeah, and then I work I work one day a week at my church as well doing the music there. Oh, okay, cool. Now, is that... um. Which church is that? Is that in Glebe? Yeah, Village uh, Annandale, Village Church Annandale. So, what what does that involve? What what's what's your day a week or? What yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's there? um, well, it's it's kind of like the it's a bit of the nitty gritty, like putting all the music together and deciding what songs we play. And because sure. we're in 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 a West Church, like we try to have a pretty unique sound that's kind of current to our area. Mm-hmm. So so we we try and do a lot of our own writing and stuff as well, which is cool. Yeah, great. Um, Awesome. There's a few writers in the in the church that write the songs, which is awesome. Great. And uh, and so yeah, just kind of working with different guys um, and girls that are writers in the church, which is awesome. And then kind of just organising the the bands and whatnot. But um, yeah, it's great. It's awesome. Nice. That's great. Yeah. Hey, so if people want to um, keep up to date with what you're doing, what's what's the best way for for people to do that? Um, probably, probably my, my Facebook page is the most current thing that I yeah. post gigs on and stuff. So that's just, um, uh, facebook.com forward slash Cameron James Henderson music. Okay. Excellent. And, uh, and there's also my website, which is Cameron James Henderson.com. Mm-hmm. Cool. And then there's a few other social things as well, like Twitter and Instagram or whatever. <laughs> yep. Nice. Excellent. Well, well, we'll put some links up on our stuff as well so people can find you. And um, yeah, check you out at a gig sometime sometime soon, whether it's with your own solo stuff or one of the one of the bunches of bands that you do. Thanks so much, man. Man, yeah. hey, thank you. Thanks for coming on the show. It's been great to talk. Thanks so much for having me, man. I've been really enjoying the show, so it's an honor to, uh, to be on here. Oh, cool, man. Oh, our pleasure, definitely. Well, man... Cool. Keep it, keep in touch, and um, yeah, if there's anything we can we can plug or, or let people know about too, we definitely love to do that. Thanks, Ace, Matt. You're a legend. <laughs> All right, thanks, Cam. I'll talk to you soon then. Okay, see you, man. Okay, Bye. see you, mate. Bye. All right, there you go, Cameron James Henderson, and he's probably coming to a venue near you. He's uh, he's doing lots of gigs with his with his blues trio and uh, and all those other gigs you heard about as well. Man, I could listen to that baritone all day long. Loved it. Thanks again, Cameron. Very, very cool. Now, my second guest today, another young guitarist, Jay Perino, also from Sydney, doing some really great stuff. Now, Jay is an absolutely fantastic rock vocalist, but a really, really fantastic guitar player as well, doing some big rock stuff. But also Jay does this really interesting um, tapping, contrapuntal tapping kind of kind of stuff. He's also um, in the middle of a really exciting project with Boss Australia. Jay also appears on our TV screens fairly regularly these days on a bunch of different TV shows. And we talk about that and the impact that stuff has had on his career as well. All right, so here is my conversation with Jay Perino. All right, Jay Perino, welcome to the Guitar Speak podcast. Thanks, Matt. Thanks so much for having me and uh, and and thinking of me for it. I'm a big fan of the show, and um, no no offense to you, but uh, I, I I I use podcasts to help me sleep at night, and I've been <laughs> using 
I've been using, because I'm an insomniac, I've been using your podcast uh, <laughs> almost every night to something to listen to to go to sleep, but I actually end up staying up for the full 40 minutes because it's interesting <laughs> and listening to, listening to you chat with Dolce and uh, Cam Zellis and some, some very interesting stuff you're doing. So uh, I'm very excited and, and keep up the good work. Oh, cool. Thanks, man. Thanks thanks so much. Yeah. And uh, yeah, if we're helping you get to sleep or, or stay up, either way, that's... <laughs> <laughs> that, that's cool oh man yeah. thanks for coming on we're excited um you've been super busy today and tomorrow which we'll get to it's been a, a busy crazy year like one of those years where uh things just kind of roll into each other and yeah it's been it's been fun yeah wow so yeah definitely get to all that all that stuff um but just to back up when what got you um into guitar playing in the first place jay well, um, I came from a background of drums. Drums was a big part of my the start of my music. Um, I kind of, I kind of had ED as a child, which probably relates relates to the insomnia and stuff now. Okay. Like okay. I, I'm very uh, sort of obsessive personality with uh, with with activities and things like that. So um, I was a, had a really troubled childhood. As soon as I got onto music that um became the focus of all that energy and attention and uh so i probably got onto guitar around age 14 i think okay yeah mm. and and what was the and, um, what were you listening to or what was the inspiration to to get the guitar going uh at at the time there was that um pop punk movement which was um good charlotte and blink 182 and green day and that, okay. that was kind of the stuff that was popular so i started noodling with that stuff which I guess wasn't very challenging, but then um, the thing that really got me hooked and got me into the obsessive practice was like Metallica and Dream Theater and thing, things that had a bit more, uh, you know, changing time signatures, um, tool, things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, really got me to, I guess, want to sit down and actually master the instrument and put some time into it. Yeah, cool, cool. So I'm guessing um this is kind of early mid or early to mid 90s when you were when you were doing um, this stuff so you know this were this would have been about yeah 90 between 95 and 98 yeah um yeah around that time because uh the living end and silverchair just put out their records as well and, oh yeah yeah you know i ended up making it making a tribute band to to those guys but that 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 stuff was a big influence on me and uh a big yeah Cool, cool. So you must have been, um, were you very disciplined in your practice regime? I mean, like you said, the pop punk stuff um, is probably a, was a great place for lots of kids to start playing guitar, but definitely when you moved on yeah. to the more progressive stuff. Um, yeah, were you it's a big fun, practice? It's funny, it's funny you use that word discipline because uh, as soon as I got my hands on the Don Petrucci instructional, which was called Rock Discipline. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, that's that's true. I heard you chatting with Dolce, and he said the Brett, Brett Gard video was like his turning point, where he he sat down and learned every single. Uh-huh. I pretty much did the same with that uh, Patricia DVD. Awesome. And that was the real turning point for me when I went from like just being like a guy that could play to to like having some serious chops. Um, I wasn't very tasteful or anything at the time because it was it's very much like a mechanical. Uh, sort of a almost a workout dvd for your for your guitar but um it definitely gave me some serious technique that i could um 
build upon for the next few years for sure. Yeah, right. And were you doing um, bands around this time? Yeah, I was in. I was in the band. It's. I've kind of just operated under the one name, which is Outlier. Um, I was in that band for, uh, for basically from high school up until about 2006, and then that band split up. But I sort of uh, was able. I, I bought the rights to retain the name, basically. So okay. I've been in the same band, but. The next eight years was with um, two girls who I'm still with now, and uh, Taya and Rose. Yeah. And you, we still go by the name Outlier. Cool. Now that band you do, um, like I know you do like cover cover gigs, um, yeah. but you're writing your own stuff as well. Is that is that true? Yeah, we yeah we we do we do originals. We just we released a song this year, and um, we do covers gigs, and we also do tribute shows like the, the Living and Silver Chair one I told you about. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, we do a, a, a British themed show. But yeah, we, we, we definitely uh, have gotten back into the writing side of things this year. Yeah, great. That that new song you mentioned, is that Dodging the Bullet? Or Dodge the Bullet? Oh, uh, well, you do. I, I love an interviewer that does his homework. That's, that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, yeah, that one's out on iTunes. That one's out on iTunes at the moment, actually. Yeah, Dodging the Bullet. We recorded this year. Um, yeah, it's kind of like our heaviest. Something, something that I'm really happy with, and something that speaks to all those influences I told you about. It's got a very uh, audio slave, Rage Against the Machine kind of mm-hmm. uh, vibe to it, which is not another big influence on me. Okay, cool. Yeah, there's definitely that relentless riff kind of thing going on yeah. that, that those bands. I'm I'm a bit older, so when when you say pop punk, I, that's still new music to me. And um, <laughs> when I heard Dodging the Bullet, I'm thinking. Um, you know, like Zeppelin, that riffy kind of thing, but okay. totally nice. audio slave. Yeah, I hear that and, and the rage kind of stuff. Oh. That's cool. Yeah, thank you. interesting tapping stuff um like i've seen you do the you know like the triplet van halen kind of stuff but also some you've you've done other stuff like over overhand tapping when you're you're fretting hands over the fretboard and um yeah some two-part piano style kind of stuff perhaps is, is one way to call it yeah how'd you develop that side of your playing i think i don't really know but i think that comes from um the drumming background and and wanting to hit the instrument and I guess a lot of the drumming background you focus on right and left hand independence okay and so when I came to when I came to approaching the guitar I was fascinated by things that also had right and left hand independence so the the message in a bottle tapping thing that I did lately was was really challenging and and you know was getting your left hand to just hold down a riff while your right hand does a completely different melody okay yeah so that that kind of stuff something that um has always fascinated me and um a a lot of it back in the day like the overhand thing you said i guess a lot of that was just uh probably showmanship and (laughs) but uh yeah and 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 it also allows you to get some wider intervals and different sounds i've I've always been into things that 
sounded different or made the guitar sound unusual or got people's attention or what you know, think just just things that were out of the ordinary kind of always caught my ear i guess you would say okay yeah were there any players um that inspired you know to you to get two hands on the fretboard yeah when i heard um joe satriani's midnight which okay, i guess is yeah. um more more of a clean clean sound tapping it's not your it's not your van halen eruption yeah yeah um, legato, legato all over the neck thing it's more sure. of like a melodic chord Chordal it's like a chordal thing. sort of idea as well, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, he's playing it more like a sort of partly like a drum and partly like a piano, and mm-hmm. I thought that's really cool. And also John John Butler's Oceans, he does a similar thing in that where it's really melodic and really chordy and not so much flashy, but just like makes the guitar sound harp-like. Uh, I'm really into those kind of things that make the guitar sound like other instruments, which. It's kind of what led me to boss and led me to the MIDI stuff is transforming the guitar into into different kind of instruments, I guess. Yeah, right. Awesome. When you um when you're tapping, I noticed. I mean, you do a lot of electric and rock stuff, but I've I've seen you do a lot of tapping stuff on acoustic guitars too, even nylon strings and steel strings. Yeah. Um, is it is it very different the approach you need to take? Um, I would say. With the electric, it tends to be more. I mean, if you're doing lead stuff, it tends to be more single string, yeah, and um, more more lead oriented. Whereas with the acoustic, I guess it more lends itself to chordal things and um, arpeggios and more more percussive type stuff. It doesn't translate as well to electric and lead guitar, I, I think. Okay, yeah. Um, so the, approach, the approaches, yeah, they are a little bit different for sure, I would say, yeah. Sure. So you mentioned Message in a Bottle, and that was um, that was a thing you came up with recently, and that's gone nuts. I think it was like something like 65,000 people have had a look at you do that yeah. on the video. That's, that's great. made a challenge to myself to to post these videos i mean sometimes they get five views and five likes or whatever and sometimes they get 60 but it's more just a uh, it's more just a challenge to myself to keep pushing myself to um practice and if i know that i'm going to film something I'll, I'll i'll practice it for another hour or two hours that i probably wouldn't otherwise but yeah that just kind of unex- unexpectedly went went a little bit viral and people were tagging their friends which was great and um yeah not not to um not to toot my own horn but when you when you put my name into youtube the three most common things that came up were they've always been down under since that audition i did a few years ago but message in a bottle is now the first thing that comes up next to my name which was kind of an unexpected 
effect of that video, which is pretty cool. Yeah, cool. Are there any other um are there any other tunes that you've you've rearranged in that kind of fashion? Well, um after after that video did really well, I did um a sweet child of mine arrangement that was kind of uh playing the main riff with the left hand, which everybody knows knows the main intro line. Yeah, sure. But then with the right hand I, I sort of uh harmonized the intro. So playing playing a different bunch of notes. Yep, yep, cool. Uh, and that that got that did pretty well and got. Um, I guess I was trying to keep all those new followers that I had and show them show them something else. Uh, yeah, so that was that was kind of fun too. challenging and um it also really helped build up the left hand strength for for just general playing and chords and legato and everything because yeah you don't realize how hard you have to push those notes to make them sound without any picking at all so it's a really good just a strength exercise as well okay yeah cool do you do use any yeah. damping on you know some guys have got like the hair scrunchie on the top of the guitar neck yeah i've seen um seen johnny zambellis he's got his got his little uh little pink velcro thing i <laughs> i haven't haven't I've, I've just never tried one of them yeah um yeah i just kind of do all my dampening the old-fashioned way but uh no I've, I've not tried one sure i read um years ago when satriani was doing i think it was his maybe second or third record um he was doing some funk part and he was he tied a sock around the around the nut yeah right um so i tried that on the session it was great but you know you, you're never gonna have time to tie your doesn't sock look, on doesn't look great on stage does it it's not that cool it's not very cool yeah so cool what about gear what sort of gear are you um are you using these days um so for the acoustics i uh, i ended up with a pair of godin guitars which was um uh, around the same time 2009 i was i was looking for a guitar that could uh do some MIDI, but could also do acoustic stuff. And uh, I stumbled upon the Godin Multi-Act Spectrum, mm-hmm. which has got a humbucker. Uh, so, sorry, it's got a lipstick pickup in it, a piezo, and it's got the MIDI as well. So I have uh, I have two of those. Wow, cool. And um, for for electric stuff, I've I've got um, unfortunately about 14 guitars around the house. But my main ones are these um, steel guitars called. Uh, well, they're made by a guy called James Trossard. Yeah, yeah. He's the French yeah, guy. Uh, yeah. He's the French, yeah, French guy. And he's yeah. his company's in the US. And I've got the sort of the tele model, which is called the uh, Steelcaster, I believe, which is all steel. Yeah. And I've got the, the Les Paul version, which is called a steel top, which is a, a wood body with a sort of steel barbed wire type um, top on it. And they both, I don't know why, I bought it just kind of on a visual uh, sort of aspect, but I, these arcane pickups that he makes are just really responsive and they react to every touch and they're percussive and they're great. And so as soon as I bought the telly, I had to buy another one and uh-huh. I can't really, I can't really go back to wood guitars for live performance after these two, cause I'm just uh, really attached to them. Yeah. Wow. So you mentioned the pickups. Yeah. Do, you, do you think the the bodies themselves add add much to the tonal? Um, I think so because thing? it 
Italian in particular has sort of like a resonator quality to it. Okay. Um, there's not, you know, the, the neck is the only thing in the guitar that's wood. Yeah. So I think it definitely does something. I don't know why it works. I don't know what it does. And I know the pickups are very hot because I've, I've AB'd them with other people's, like uh, at Frankie's with, with Joel's uh, Les Paul and with uh, with a mate of mine when jamming, we've tried different different like traditional Les Pauls and they do have a very hot output. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I just, I just find that uh, they, they just speak to me and they let me kind of do what I want to do. So I, I'm really in love with them. Yeah, cool. And how about um, amps and effects? Um, I've got a, a two rock crystal 50, which is uh, just a, like a, a, a head with no channel switching mm-hmm. that you can sort of run your pedals in front of. Yeah, nice. Um, and uh, and just recently traded my a little Mesa boogie head that I had, and I got a um, a Marshall JCM 2000. So I've only just had that for one weekend, and oh, awesome. just to have a setup that a setup without pedals, it's you know, channel switching bass and sort yeah. of use the, the traditional amp distortion or amp overdrive. And uh, yeah, man, like first first set using it was a disaster, just turning <laughs> up to a gig. But yeah. second set, uh, I started to get those those really classic tones, which you, you can't really get out of anything else but a Marshall. So I'm pretty, pretty stoked with it. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. I mean, sometimes you got to throw yourself in the deep end, I guess, and just that's it. try yeah. stuff out. That's cool. <laughs> Yeah, I said to I said to myself that that I I brought I brought my other amp to that gig and yeah. I said to myself don't do it, but <laughs> I was just too excited and so I, I I took it out on the first night and yeah yeah nice man those um those two thousands have a great clean sound as well. That's that was the most surprising thing is yeah. that, and it was e- really easy to dial in a great clean that the, the the dirty tones took you know. I forgot that with Marshalls you really have to wind that treble way out. So yeah, yeah. The, the first set was a bit of adjusting to to get the right EQs, but once you wind that treble down and and get your gain right, there's yeah. there's some great stuff in there. Um, yeah, pedals. What what sort of pedals are you using when you're not cranking your Marshall? <laughs> um, I've got uh, I've got the TC Electronics um, Nova system, which oh, yeah, kind yeah. of um, I I use for a lot of the the um, modulations and delays and stuff. Um, I've got a uh, a Boss Wazacraft uh, blues blues driver, which mm-hmm. I use for addition additional pushing. Um, a little uh, a tiny little pedal called the Mua Wata, which is uh, a wah wah pedal. That's you know you know if you're familiar with Mua pedals, they yeah. make really compact. Really stuff. little, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Has that got the little? That's got the little fold out. Bits, so it's got that's like right, a, yeah. so it's a little yeah. bit bigger to stick your foot on. Yeah, so it, cool. it comes sort of the size of their normal pedals, but yeah, yeah the the top and the bottom fold out, so you can get a little bit more uh, sweep in the in the in the wah EQ. Okay, cool, nice, yeah. nice. Now you mentioned um, Roland a little bit. Um, how long have you been working yeah. with Roland? Um, well, it kind of started in in two thousand and nine, which which is when. The band that I told you about before, uh, Outlier, with with two guys that I was with, that band split up. So I kind of found myself on my own. Uh, I was teaching guitar, and uh, I decided to um, audition for this this reality show. And I, I didn't have a 
loop pedal at the time. I was using a Boss DD6, which um, to loop on it, you, there's, there's a hold function. Oh, okay. And so that, yep. was my only, that was my only experience with looping. Yeah, yeah. But um, I'd had some fun sort of sort of playing around with looping sounds. And, and looping wasn't such a mainstream big thing at, at the time, I don't think. Yeah, sure. So um, I just emailed Boss out of the blue thinking I would get ignored. Yeah. But I just said, look, I'm, uh, I'm auditioning for this show and I don't have a loop station and I don't really have much money and can you help me out? <laughs> And um, surpri- surprisingly, I got a reply very quickly from a guy named um, Jim Bollock, mm-hmm. who was the, I guess, the rep there at the time. Yeah. And he said, uh, "Yeah, come down." And their office was in Dy, which was, you know, right where I live. So. Okay. I went popped popped around the corner and met him, and he's the whole company is just like almost like a family-based company. He was wow. so good to me and. Uh, Hooked me up with the pedal. He gave me a, a boss strap, and he said, um, "Yeah, just uh, wear, wear this on the show for us." Great. Which I was, I was happy to do. And yeah. That kind of so 2009 is where the relationship started with that uh, that performance of of Down Under on Australia's Got Talent. Okay. Yeah. things sort of uh, come and go uh, as in brands and people talking to you and record companies and things people wanting your attention and, okay. and once you're not on the show anymore they kind of stop talking to you yeah right and so I, I sort of thought that would be the way with boss but um, even uh, even when the when Jim left the company they, they've kind of stuck with me and, and helped me out over the years with, with artist prices and with, with deals and uh, uh, in 2014, I went to uh, I went to Queensland with them and did um, AMAC, which is a, a music convention. Mm-hmm. They had a, a new a new loop station out called the RC505, and they needed somebody to demo it. And so um, yeah, started working with them in Queensland, uh, demoing the RC505 looper. Yeah, cool. And it's just been a really good relationship over the years. That no matter how popular I am or whether I'm on a TV show or not, they don't really care. They just kind of care about uh, people that represent their brand well. And that, that kind of sits really well with me with some of the not so good experiences I've had over the years. Sure. That's, that's fantastic. And especially as like your contact 
um, your initial contact moved on, um, but they, you know, they stuck with you. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. You don't hear, you don't always hear good news stories like that with, with uh, fairly large companies and relatively yeah. independent well, artists. I, I, I won't, I won't name the brand, but I had a, a really bad experience where a brand was um, really supportive and um, the, the, the head the founder of the brand was was coming to watch me play and mm-hmm. was talking about doing a signature line of guitars. Yeah, wow. Um, and as soon as I was not a contestant on the show anymore, he wouldn't so much as return my my emails or calls. Oh, okay. Yeah, wow. Um, yeah. So and that and when you're a young young sort of up and coming player, that those kind of things can be quite devastating. So when when Jim Jim moved on from Boss, I was sort of expecting the same thing. Like, oh. Now there'll be someone else there, and they won't really help me sure. out the same way. Yeah. But uh, a girl named Tiori came on, and and she was just exactly the same. Like, if I needed something, she'd say, "Yeah, come down." And if something of mine wasn't working, she'd say, "Bring it in, and we'll fix it." And they've just been really great. And yeah, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that uh, the project this year leads to many more with them because I'm really stoked to work for such a, a, a great company. Yeah, that's brilliant. Can I don't know if you can talk much about um, today. You're in, you're at Roland all day, and and tomorrow as well. Can you yeah. talk much about that yet? Yeah. Um, so so basically, um, I hadn't hadn't heard from uh, Boss since 2014, which was the the Queensland thing. But this year, um, a job opportunity came up for uh, someone to do content for their website. So so I applied for this job. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I didn't get the job, but I got an email from the head of Boss Australia and he said, you know, we have some good news and we have some bad news. Um, you didn't get the job, but we'd like you to come to uh, come to Melbourne Guitar Show and demo our pedals for us. Awesome. So, uh, yeah, so that, that worked out really well. And, um, you know, it kind of was a blessing in disguise because I still get to do my regular gigs and yeah, all, all my cool. other things that I have going on. But yeah. I, I get to sort of freelance with them on the side. And uh, and and from the guitar show, some of the stuff that they heard on the Looper, they really liked. And uh, a guy called Matt Walsham, who who works there at Boss, w- had the idea to make um, a bunch of different videos that represent their six different loop stations that they have. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, and and he wants it wants it to be with one artist, which is me. Great. Um, and basically, the purpose of each video is to show kind of the differences in each of the loop stations and what what the entry level models can do and what the more advanced models can do that those can't okay yeah so yeah we're using we're using a bunch of my own uh, compositions some some that I had already and some that I kind of composed for the sake of this great man that's so cool and so we got we got maybe news or a rumor today that that stuff may go on the global boss website which we're okay. hoping yeah wow but um i don't yeah that that would be cool and that would be huge i don't know if that's gonna happen but uh either way yeah i'm, I'm stoked and uh it's it's been a really challenging project and it's ma- made me sort of try to take my guitar playing to the next level again so i'm enjoying enjoying that challenge that's great now you're um we've been talking guitars but you're a fantastic singer man you, you've got such a oh, big rock you. sound man such a big rock voice thank you very much um uh, the the tunes you're doing for the boss stuff is that are they vocal tunes or guitar tunes or a bit of both so the the first the first couple of um 
loop pedals, they don't have a mic input, so we're just focusing more on the guitar side of things. Sure. But as you get as you get up to the RC30 and the RC202 and 505, those those last two that I mentioned are um, are the tabletop loopers that are marketed oh, yeah. sort of more to, more towards like beatboxers and keyboardists and DJs and stuff. Yeah. So the the RC202 and 505 demos, I'm not playing guitar at all. Um, one of them's completely a cappella, and oh, awesome. one of them I'll be doing um, like a vocoder thing, which is sort of where you sing into a keyboard and and make the chords come through controlling your voice kind of thing. That's I was trying to explain this to my missus and she didn't understand it, so I'm <laughs> not going to try and explain it. A vocoder is hard to explain, but we know what it sounds like. like. What's the What's the point? Why don't you just sing? <laughs> yeah. So anyway, um, yeah. So so a couple of them will be just vocal based. Yeah. Cool. Very cool. Um, is Is any of this material likely to be? I mean, obviously, it'll be used in the videos and things, but um, is it likely to be used for an Outlier album or a or a Jay Perino album or something? Uh, it could it could be some of them some of them were songs that um, I had uh, come from my past bands. There's a song called Midnight that the, the main riff became the the RC30 demo. Uh huh. Um, the other stuff, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, um, it kind of tends to happen like that. You come up with an idea and it sits there for a while, and then one day it becomes the perfect idea for something you know maybe it'll be the next kfc jingle yeah if fingers crossed <laughs> i don't know but, uh, but yeah I, th I think that yeah, I, I definitely um try to keep an archive of all this stuff so so that it can definitely get some use out of yeah cool man you said it's been a crazy year so it it sounds like so you got this stuff with roland you had the melbourne guitar show um you're yeah. on the voice uh earlier this year as well yeah. on, in, on the live yeah. shows there um that's awesome. What what else is coming up for you this year? Um, yeah, so the, yeah, the, the voice was really really cool and and opened up a lot of doors and kind of kind of got things rolling with everything. Um, yeah, late, later this year we're uh, we're heading to Airlie Beach to do sort of a, a run of dates at a place called Patty Shenanigans so uh -huh. in um, in December with Outlier. We we were there last year and we do. Um, December seven to eleven this year. Great. But um, also also doing this project with um, the keyboardist from the Cat Empire. Um, his name is Ollie McGill, and probably one of the most, if not the most, incredible musician I've ever played with. Like yeah, wow. Somebody that's just seriously um, connected with his instrument. Uh, we're doing a show um, October 9th at the Bridge Hotel, which is another one of these kind of concept shows that I came up with just it's sort of like to show the evolution of rock I guess which is the name of the show yeah cool. um yeah so we we start with like 1950s with Chuck Berry and with uh Bill Haley and stuff like that and then we go to 60s and 70s in the next set and the show kind of chronologically goes through uh sort of the how rock came about and ends up with um you know in the 90s and Metallica and Lenny Kravitz, and we sort of we sort of wrap it up around there in the third set. So I'm really awesome. looking forward to that one, and it should be fun. Yeah, cool, fantastic. All right, well, listen, I know. Um, so as we said, you've been super busy with Roland. You've got a gig tonight, really soon, um, and then you're back at Roland tomorrow morning. So uh, we better let you go. But um, just before we do, Jay, what's the best way for people to keep up to date with with all the stuff you're doing? 
Um, like you can add me on Facebook because uh, if I'm if I'm not sleeping at night, I'm usually on Facebook okay. responding to people. So yeah, yeah. Uh, Jay Perino, mu Jay Perino Music is uh, it's my music page. Uh, there's an outlier page which is O U T L I E R, and yeah. you can just go ahead and add my my regular page which is Jay Perino, and uh, my band has a website, um, Outlier net.au so any any of those means uh i'll be happy to uh, get in touch with you for sure yeah cool that's really great all right well jay thanks so much and um hey all the best for tomorrow at roland and um totally for this release of videos and um and everything else you got coming up thanks man and thanks to you for um doing great things for us guitarists and for live music and for being passionate about what you do i think your show is really awesome and uh yeah good good luck with it all and i hope it keeps going and becomes massive oh, thanks jay mate i really appreciate it and um yeah you hit the nail on the head i just love it i love talking guitars and talking to guitar players so i'm having yeah, a good man. time but man thank you and um yeah take care we'll talk to you again soon right. okay cheers, Matt. cheers jay All right, there you go. Our interviews with Cameron, James Henderson, and Jay Perino. Really, really cool guys. And what I like about these two guys, they're, they're working really hard. They're, you know, they're, they're looking for gigs. They're looking at different opportunities and, and just throwing everything at it and uh, getting great results, which is, which is awesome. I really like Jay's idea about, you know, he's, he's going to post a video. So he's, you know, he kind of forces himself to come up with some new stuff and, explore some more areas and, and put something together i like that i don't know about you but for me deadlines are sometimes a way to push me into uh into new stuff next week i've got a gig i gotta learn a bunch of songs and i'm pretty pumped actually um so yeah got a deadline gotta learn some stuff gonna get stuck into it all right hey speaking of this week i'm very excited i'm going to the gary moore remembered um, gig Thursday the 6th of October at the Factory Theatre in Marrickville, Sydney. Um, we spoke to Michael Katselos, uh, the guy putting together that fantastic show. Um, in the last episode, if you haven't heard it, dig back and, and check out that episode. But I'm very excited about this gig. Some of Australia's greatest players, greatest rock and blues players uh, coming together to celebrate the career of Gary Moore. It's going to be amazing. I'll tell you all about it next week. Hey, make sure you check out all the Michael Dolce stuff as well for, for, the, uh, for the clinics and also for the, the big promo competition he has put together. All right, well, as always, um, I just want to thank you for listening into the Guitar Speak podcast. Um, as I said to Jay at the end of my, my discussion with him, I love, I love talking guitars with these people. It's, uh, it's really exciting for me. And we've got some really um, big things coming up, some really uh, amazing guests. I can't tell you names because I haven't recorded the interviews yet, so I'm not going uh, to spill the beans until I can. But um, yeah, there's some really great stuff coming up. So, hey, uh, subscribe to us on iTunes or on Stitcher. Um, you, can, uh, you can like us on Facebook, Guitar Speak Podcast, or follow us on Instagram, Guitar Speak Podcast. And just keep up to date with all the, all the stuff going on. If you're enjoying the interviews, please share them around your social networks as well. That really, really helps us get the word out. All right, I'm out here. Songs to learn, things to do. Have a great week 
and uh, catch you next time on the Guitar Speak podcast. Bye now.